Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. All right, last, last week we talked uh, <laughs> cruise ship versus worship. I meant that in a good way. I actually love it when you guys feed back. It's, it's great. I actually really appreciate it. So uh, anyways, last week we talked cruise ship versus worship. I'm not going to go through the whole point again, but we talked about the differences in function, success, what we would consider success. That's the only one I'll park on just a little bit because success for a cruise ship is, you know, it, it's really based on an individual. There's a bit of collective, but, a, but often it's really an individualistic experience, right? I had a good time. I had a good time on a cruise ship. The weather was good. I enjoyed myself and so on and so forth. Whereas a warship is not about the individual unless the individual isn't, you know, working together for the common good of the goal of the captain. But the warship, everyone has a function. Everyone has a role. Everyone has a job. And the point is to be ready for crisis. So it's very opposite. And we looked at how, uh, how we, the church in the West especially has been traditionally more of a cruise ship and how we need to move back towards being like that warship. And so today, that's what we're going to be looking at is essentially, you know, we talk about the great command and the great commission. As we begin to engage in those in our lives, uh, that's actually the best way that we become like that warship because everybody has a purpose. Everyone has a role. Um, as long as you have breath in your lungs, we still have a purpose here on the earth, and that's part of what it is. So that's what we're going to be describing more in greater detail now, that transition, right? What does it look like to transition from, you know, more of an individualistic or a spectator or passenger type of, of ship towards a warship where everyone has a purpose and role? So we're going to look at a lot of generalizations, things that kind of apply to everyone. Um, but uh, like I said, today in this message, we're going to lay some foundational stuff uh, so we can all kind of see this is what we're unifying around and this is where we're all moving towards. There's not nearly enough time to unpack everything we're going to talk about uh, today. It will need series for each one of the points that we'll go through. Okay, so um, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. This is that worship analogy right? It's coming right out of the Bible, not the worship part, but, but that analogy of how each part is supposed to work together. When each part is working properly, it makes the, makes the entire body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so you see, there's a, we all have a job. We have members. And if I would read the whole passage, it's, I mean, really Ephesians is lots about the church and about the mystery of God revealed in Jesus Christ to us. Like, I love Ephesians. But I'll say that with every book of the Bible. But uh, anyways, <laughs> there's lots of, there's just a treasure chest in there, right? I won't get distracted. Okay, so we're all equipped. Each part, you see, joined and held together by every joint. So it's not just each member doing his job, his or her job. It's each member doing his or her job linked together. That's where the entire body is built up in love. And if you look a few verses earlier, it also talks about not being tossed to and fro by every wind of new doctrine and deception and all that kind of stuff. So there's even a protection that is found in the body connecting and working together. So there's a protection. Now, I'm not obviously implying that you can't do things on your own. You can. I'm just saying biblically, it, we're told that there's more fruit, there's protection, there's a building up in love that can take place when we do it together. And Jesus' plan was for the body to work together. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I love that. Again, so we see this, jaw, or this, this description of the church, and it's possessive, actually. And it's not individualistic, it's community-minded, 
right? Like in other places it says we belong to each other. We're not our own. We belong to each other, and we belong first to the head, which is Jesus Christ. Um, So that's a wonderful thing. You know, I find it interesting when you see that when one member suffers, all suffer together. Very fast story here for sake of time. But when we were doing our Thrive training and learning about attachment styles and and the brain and that sort of thing, anyhow, one of the things they did there, they had this, uh, I almost didn't go to the course because uh, they put on the itinerary that they had a dance lesson for lunch. I'm like, dance? I'm Mennonite. (laughs) We don't dance. I mean, we shuffle. (laughs) right? But dance, this is like Davidic dancing, they called it, right? So it's very, it's communal, you do it in circles, and you do all sorts of stuff, and you dance scripture is essentially what it is. I'm like, that is weird. Anyways, so I decided the good in the whole course outweighed that one weird lesson. So I went anyways. Okay, so a little confession time here. You know what my favorite lesson was every day? Dance. Oh, it's embarrassing. No, it's not embarrassing, but it should be. I'm kidding. Dance is great. But I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I couldn't understand why. There was something just about being connected. We were all together in a circle. We were facing each other, and we're all like doing these different moves to honor God through Scripture, and and it was just beautiful. Anyways, Thursday comes along, and there's this lady across from me that, uh, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but she's across from me, and she keeps, like, we're going left, she's going right. And anyways, that day, I didn't think much of it other than poor her, like that's got to be, you're the only one that keeps making mistakes. Like literally every time we do something, she would always seem to get it somehow wrong. She'd go up and we'd go down, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, what I noticed about that, that day is that I just kind of felt disengaged. I was like, oh, I'm tired. I don't really like, I'm not really digging the dance today. It's not really my thing. I just felt disconnected. After we were done, the instructor points out this woman and says, did anyone notice, I forget her name, was doing things wrong? And we're all like, this is awkward. Yeah, we did. We all noticed it. Like, poor, poor woman, right? Anyways, and he said, did anyone feel like today they just felt disconnected and they weren't feeling the dance the same way? We're all like, yeah, we did. Then he ex- began to explain anyhow the brain science panel. I'm not going to go into all that, but he began to explain how when you're in a community together, when you're connected together and one person malfunctions, how it actually affects the entire group and why we should stop and pause when people are struggling and actually pour into them and help them restore them into the group. It was a powerful lesson, and I think it's very applicable to the church, but it's interesting then when you read that, that verse, when one member suffers, we all suffer together, whether we know it or not. And that's why we need to serve and love one another. That's why we don't just belong to ourselves. It's not just about us, right? We help each other and we build, and the whole body is built up in love that way, which I think is pretty amazing. All right. Common question I hear, though, now is where do we start, right? Okay, let's, uh, let's cover that. One more verse here. I love this verse. I just memorized it. Uh, I did memorize <laughs> it. No, I won't go there. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Isn't that a great verse? Right? The, the, the disciple is not above his teacher, no, but when you are fully trained, you will be like your teacher. Right? That's who we're supposed to become like. We're supposed to become like Jesus. Being discipled, making disciples is an ongoing process. It is. Right? It's not, a, it's not a thing we do once and then we move on from and then move on to the next thing. This is a call from God that is on our lives that we continue to fulfill and work towards while we still draw breath. So that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to look at how do we actually do this uh, together. So just wanted to make sure it worked. Yep, it worked. 
All right, this is the uh, discipleship target. We're going to be going through this today. It's a graph. Now, I'm not going to, if you're worried about, like, okay, I've got to memorize everything that's absolutely on there, we're going to go through all the points briefly. Sermon notes are online, but this is just a graph to describe a lot of the things that we've already been doing with a few tweaks, a lot of things that we've already been doing over the last bunch of years. But sometimes, you know, you're just doing things and it's hard to, to reproduce until you kind of see the pathway and how we're putting it all together. So that's what we're going to be doing. This is the discipleship target because we're looking at where do we start? Like, where do we start? And we start here in the middle, and that's what we're going to kind of go through together is we start in the middle, and then we move out from there. And then what does that look like, right? Because we start with knowing Jesus, obviously, right? But then we work towards fulfilling the great command and the great commission, and then also we mature in our faith, right? And then as we do that, we begin to bring more people through that same process. So that's what I am excited to talk about today. First thing. So now we'll go back to the first. There we go. Just making sure it all works. I didn't put the graph together, but I did copy and paste it into a PowerPoint. Yeah, that took me, I don't know, like 45 extra minutes this morning because of all the different graphs. I'm like, oh my goodness. PowerPoint is like, you need to be a wizard to understand that thing. It's like Excel. Anyways, <clears throat> sorry. First thing, Jesus, know him, love him, worship him, obey him. This is the center of it all. When Paul talks about in Philippians, remember we, we covered that last week, that he forgot all that was in his past, right? He was worried, he was, you know, he was willing to suffer the loss of all things for the sake of what? He had his eyes fixed on the prize, the upward call of Jesus Christ. I think that's, this is part of that. We got to keep our, 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 the, the first thing first in our lives. And so even as we look at that graph, we'll go back to it in a moment a bunch of times, but I don't want us to get distracted with the things on the periphery because you'll see a lot of people doing that, right? Sometimes we get distracted by doing things for God that we actually forget to know God. And knowing God is the key. So everything that we're supposed to do is gonna come out of knowing God. And if you do it the other way, if you try to flip that, that, uh, if you try to flip that process, what you'll find is his commandments will feel burdensome because you actually require his Holy Spirit in order to do them. His whole, the Holy Spirit is what does the regeneration in you and what does the transformation. He partners with us. He does the lion's share of the work as we step out and follow him in faith and obedience. So first thing, John, we, we memorized this together actually if, uh, in a series earlier this year. Uh, and this is eternal life that you may know, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Right? So this is eternal life. This is eternal life now. This is eternal life forever. <laughs> right? This is what it means to have eternal life, to know God. That's what we're seeking after. So we want to know him. John 14, um, 15 to 16, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father to give you another helper to be with you forever, uh, the Holy Spirit. So here we have, you know, you see like the knowing God and the obeying God. Uh, Matthew 4.10, Jesus is responding to the devil here. So I took that part out. But he said, is a powerful pointer. You shall worship the Lord your God and him alone will you, you shall serve. And so our worship and, and heart's affection and attention and heart's desire is supposed, to, is supposed to pour out over Jesus. And that's who we're worshiping. That's who we're living for. The center of it all, Jesus, he's our main goal, our main pursuit, our heart's desire. That's where we're headed. Okay? So that's what we're looking for. Uh, it's very important. Everything flows out of there. So everything flows out of there. And I think it's helpful, you know, even as we go back to that target, to regularly make sure you're coming back to the center because that is, otherwise we get distracted. We get thrown off by COVID or we get thrown off by a church split or we get thrown off by a relational struggle or we get thrown off by an addiction or we get thrown off by a job struggle. There's, there, and there's always one thing we know for sure, 
other than Jesus, he's our hope, we know that for sure, but the, what we also know then is the things that he tells us is sure, and he says we're going to have trouble. We know trouble's coming our way. So we're going to have to regularly pause and go back to that center to make sure that we're heading in the right direction, and I think that's important. So the more we know him, right, the more we seek to know him, the more we will know him. The more we know him, the more we'll love him. The more we love him, the more worship is just going to flow out of that, and then the simple outworking of that and fruit is obedience. That's really how it goes, right? And then we end up in obedience. And when you do it this way, this is where we discover the truth in this. 1 John 5, 3, which maybe sometimes you've read that and wondered, it doesn't feel that way for the love of, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome, right? And sometimes we look at that and we say, well, I don't know that I would fully agree. I mean, I'd agree in theory, but I don't know if I agree in experience or practice that the commandments are not burdensome. And yet, Scripture says they are, they're not supposed to be uh, burdensome, and that's when they're coming out of a heart that is surrendered to God, right? So that is the key. That's where we're moving towards. So once we have that, and once again, once we have that, I made it sound like you could accomplish that and check the box. That is always going to be the center. Always. It's always going to be the center, and not just now. John 17, 3, that is going to be the center for eternity. That is eternal life, right? So we're going there. Anyhow, out of that overflow, we begin to flow into the next circle, and that is our mission statement. The Great Command and the Great Commission, which is really the mission of the church, not just our church, but it's the mission of the church. Uh, and you are the church. We are the church. The people of God are the church. And that is the mission, so that's very important. We talk about that lots here. Uh, but we want to continue moving towards being a church that is known, that's bearing fruit in both the Great Command and the Great Commission. And that does take work, right? It, it totally takes work, but our mission statement here is love God, love people, be discipled and make disciples. And I know that be discipled is a little bit, it's an added, we added a, a verb in there, right? We added a be instead of just going out and making. And the reason for that is just, it's to keep in the back of our minds that we're also supposed to be in a constant state of growing. We're supposed to be maturing in our faith and it just kind of worked that way. So that's why we have that in there. Uh, but this is the summary of what a believer's life should be marked by. So these are the everyday, if you look at the everyday fruits that people should see in your life, they should be able to be summarized within the Great Command and the Great Commission, right? That people can see those things are working to some level within your life and growing, of course. And I'm not talking about just stage ministry either, but in the small things, in the small acts of hospitality or kindness or forgiving someone or sharing your faith with someone or sharing what God is doing in your life. It's all of these things. It's having conversations with friends and, and how you always bring it back to Jesus and what he's doing in your life and sharing your faith. It's, it's Facebook. It's Instagram. It's all of these things. And people start to see there's a pattern of God being first. He's your number one priority. It's the overflow of your life. Remember we talked about what, what is number one in your life spills out. And we're talking about when Jesus is number one, these things are the things that spill out. The great command and the great commission, they begin to spill out. All right. Sip a coffee and we'll continue on. All right. Third circle is where we're going to spend the uh, rest of our time. And now we'll go back to... Oh, no, I don't have it on there yet. But I'll, I'll put it up there in a second. So the third circle is eight keys. Uh, they're key fruits to maturing your faith. Is essentially what they are. So maturing believers. Now, we could have gone through, like you start going through Romans 12, 13, 14. Uh, really, there you get a great description. Often we just read 12 as a marks of a true Christian. 12, 13, 14, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Right? We go to Corinthians. Like, <laughs> then we go to Timothy and then Peter. 
So really, you just start reading the Bible. Then you go to the Old Testament, and it's all over there because there are fruits that God expects us to bear within our lives. There are. Now, I'm not talking about fruits that save you. I'm talking about as we put him first and love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, there are fruits that he expects to see bearing in our lives. And we talk about this often in terms of as we mature in our faith, we bear more fruit, right? So that's what I'm looking at here. What we're going to go over is eight fruits uh, that believers should be bearing, but they're not the only eight. Like you can find in scripture, well, why didn't you put this word there? Or why didn't we? (laughs) Well, We looked at what are eight things that these are things that we see in maturing believers as they're fulfilling the great command and fulfilling the great commission. These are key ones, which a lot of the other ones kind of filter under. Does that make sense? So that's kind of how we uh, are going to move forward on that. Ultimately, obviously, remember, these are the exterior. The, The most important thing is the interior, loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength to know him, to love him, to worship him, obey him. That is the most important thing. That's the center. And then from there, we're going to move out. Uh, But growing and maturing in our faith is is very important. Look at this. For this very reason, make every effort. Make a little bit of effort. (laughs) Every effort. Yeah, every effort. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, and uh, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, Godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. Uh, and and that's, a, I mean, that's a great list that I, I'm reading right there, right? But then it goes on to say, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to finish by saying, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. So we see this is just one verse, and, and we can't forsake a time. Like I said, we can go through each point we could spend a series on, and we will going forward. We will totally do that and come back to each one regularly uh, because none of these things that we're talking about today are new. It's just putting them together so we can see a path. That's, that's the only thing that we're doing here. Uh, but there's lots said about this within Scripture, but this one's pretty clear. So that's why we have, you know, when you look at these different things on the exterior here, these are just things that we can work towards in, in maturing our faith and growing uh, to become more like Christ. So what is it not? This list here, any part of it is not a list of things that you check off. Don't see it like a checklist, like, oh, I did that. Now I'm good to go and live the rest of my life for me. They're not. These are the exterior or fruits of someone's life who is maturing in their faith as they love God and obey him. So that, that's all it is. This up here, I, I would say none of us ever arrive at any of these places until we see Jesus face to face. We haven't arrived. So when, when we see him face to face, then we will arrive and we will have our forever body. And I look forward to that day. So not a list of things you check off or do in order to be saved. That's the other thing. You don't start from the outside and, and try to earn God's favor by doing these things. It's not that. It is we're seeking him first. And as we seek him first and become like him, his priorities and characteristics begin to show themselves in our lives. These are all things that we see in his life too. Even when Jesus walked the earth and you see it throughout the entirety of scripture that God's heart is set towards loving others, discipling people, towards uh, um, even serving others which is incredible, right? The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. So that's, that's the important thing here. What the list is, is key actions or fruits of those hearts who love God and are maturing in their faith. That's it. All right, so this is the target that we're kind of moving together towards as a church, right? Because we talked lots about we want to fulfill the Great Commission. We want to be known for the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. We talk about the mission statement lots here at Southend, uh, which I love. And this is kind of how we're going to be moving forward together and working on it. These are the key areas. 
So let's start with the first one. Uh, pray to God and hear God. So that's the first, well, you won't know it's the first, but you'll see it there, middle, left, top, right? Facing this way. You see it? Okay. That's where we're starting. I'm just going to go around the circle with our remaining time. There. First, Thessalonians 5.17, pray without what? Ceasing. If that verse sounds like dread in your heart, don't feel bad. I've been there. But let me just tell you, you have not discovered prayer yet. Because once you discover the joy, like again, if, if prayer is a task, it's hard. But when Jesus is the center, when he becomes the center, that prayer language begins to be the language. It's how you communicate. And prayer becomes this exciting thing when you give your whole life to him. And there's a joy in that. I don't have time to go into a whole message on this, which I want to do. Month of prayer and fasting is coming soon enough, though, and we will focus lots on prayer then, so I will come back to it. But I had to, I had to cut out lots from this section. Pray without ceasing. Isaiah 30, 21, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. James 1, 5, actually talking about going through troubles, going through hard times, count it a joy. You're like, count it a joy? How do you do that? Well, you navigate it walking with Jesus. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do as you're going through those troubles and those trying times, ask him and he'll gladly tell you. But ask him in faith with no doubting, he says, right? So, but remember, you're like, faith with no doubting, I'm, I got mustard seed-sized faith, and that's great. You're in good company. That's all you need. All right, Matthew 26, 41, and we see it here. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I, I wish, again, like I could spend more time on this, but I just picked a few verses for us to see. The Bible has lots more to say about prayer, but prayer is the life force of, or the, the, you know, the, the power source behind everything that we do. It really is. That, that quote we've often quoted here from Pastor Ray years ago, uh, prayer is not everything or may not be everything, uh, but everything should come out of prayer. Jesus modeled that. Jesus lived that. That quote was just describing what Jesus did. Uh, if we're going to bear fruit, we're going to have to do it the same way. So if we're going to fulfill the you know, great command and great commission as a church or as individuals, we're going to have to do it on a foundation of prayer. That, that is where it has to start, and that's, that's where it's going to have to continue being built on. It's not like you pray once just to start, then you go and do all the work. It's you continue to pray, and then we go to work. All right. Um, you know, sometimes it, it is very interesting. No, I don't have time to go there. Strategies. <laughs> oh. <sighs> Strategies, personal devotions. Um, we're going to look at different strategies that we already have. We're continuing to grow in more, and this is non-exhaustive. There's lots of books and things that resources that you can access that we don't have here. So, <laughs> right? I'm just sharing some of the things that we talk about lots here. There's lots that we are doing to help people grow in praying to God and hearing from God. It's both, right? We need to learn to pray to God and bring a request to Him and intercede. But then we also need to hear from God. It's both. But uh, personal devotions, that's one. Uh, by journals, we've done those. Hearing God, the way, abide in Christ. There's different versions of the way uh, that, that uh, Church Renewal has already released that we have accessible here. And there's more coming. I'm very excited about that. Uh, prayer summits. We, we practice lots there. Actually, we've been doing a lot more in our services on the weekend as well, haven't we? Right? We pray together on, on the, to begin usually with, some, with one of our church-wide prayer requests. Uh, after service, pre-service prayer. Uh, Grace sent me this morning that they had a whole bunch of them that were praying for me this morning and just completely blessed me. Why? It's not just the thought. You know when someone says, I'm thinking about you? That's great. I love that. I love that. But when they pray for you, wow, when they lift you up into the heavenlies, 
That's when we see God begin to move. I love that. So anyways, uh, pastors, prayer partners, I, I'm absolutely blessed by them, but that's another area where you can grow in prayer, right? Get connected there. Uh, the prayer room, absolutely, yes. Those are all just a few strategies that I jotted down. I'm sure we probably have even more than that, but there's lots of ways that you can grow. So if you're struggling there, my point is this, not that you need to go and do all of those things. My point is, if this is an area that you feel like you need to be discipled in, let us know and we want to help you. All right, the next one here is we're going to move to know, read, and obey the word. And I was very strategic on those exact words. I wrestled with which ones to put in there. And when I put know, you know, we think about knowing God, right? Knowing God. I actually meant that know, like the knowledge, knowledge, (laughs) right? It's knowledge. So we need knowledge of the word uh, because it's increasingly under attack. And so when we lack knowledge, when we don't study to show ourselves approved, when we don't spend time in the Word getting to know the Word, we're much easier deceived by others, right? But when you spend lots of time in the Word, it's amazing how God begins to show you things. Uh, And also through, through good teaching, too. I mean, that's all part of it. But knowing the Word, reading the Word, and obeying the Word. It's not just about reading it to store up knowledge. It's actually about applying it uh, to our lives. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I love that. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed by the, uh, to this world, but be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, right? What is perfect and holy and acceptable? Yes. So we need to do that. The word is a huge way that we do that. And James 1.22 says, do not, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. And look what it says there, deceiving yourselves. Isn't that interesting? To read the word and not be a doer of the word actually opens you up to deception. Isn't that a wild thought? Now, you don't want to build a theology just on one verse. I totally get that. I always caution against it. But it is interesting when you read then, you know, something like this. Oh, I didn't actually put it on there. But anyhow, John 7, uh, 17, you can go and check that out yourself. But it says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, this is Jesus speaking, because they were challenging his teaching. And Jesus says something very interesting here because it ties in with James. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. So there Jesus connects the heart of the listener with their determination to follow through in obedience with being able to tell what is a true message from a false one. Isn't that fascinating? All right, we don't have time to go into that further, although I really wish we did, but we don't. Like I said, we'll have lots of time coming up. We've got lots of time to tackle each one of these separately. Um, let's go into personal strategies, obviously personal devotions, weekend services. We try to teach a lot of the word here. Uh, obviously, our, our messages are loaded with them. I'm all, in fact, usually I'm cutting out passages, not, not looking for more, because the Bible is so full of good stuff. And like I've said many times before, I always encourage you guys, go into these things. I love it when I see people opening their word, even as we're teaching. Look at the verses, the passages, the chapters before and after. Uh, get the context. Soak it in yourself. Uh, for the map challenge this week, I actually, I think I, I, think I put it in there unless I forgot. <laughs> but I encourage people to go back through all the different scriptures and read them for themselves in their devotional time. Those are great things to do. You don't have to do it. But that's a great thing to do to help really wrestle with the, the passages and see what God wants to say to you personally. Um, that's a, it's a good idea. So anyways, weekend services, the way uh, will help. Hearing God helps learning how to hear God in the word. Uh, small groups, weekly action steps. Right? What's the purpose of the weekly action steps? It's exactly this, to become doers. If you're in small groups, you're probably familiar with that, that term. Why do we do it? It's to become doers of the word and not hearers only. That's why we do it. All right. 
The next one is, you'll see on there, repent of sin and grow in emotional wholeness. Uh, we put those two together there, and that's, that's very, very important. This is a process that we're all on. And it's, it's fascinating when you look at Matthew 3, verse 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. I had to cut out uh, one other uh, passage in Acts where it talks about, again, the constant need for bearing the fruit of repentance. It's supposed to continue on uh, within our lives, right? Because now we look at that and say, oh, like that means we're always going to be stuck, you know, going through sin. Well, there's an element of that. But repentance isn't just about turning from something. We're told to repent towards God, right? So there's supposed to be this bearing. We're supposed to bear this fruit in our lives of denying our flesh, picking up our cross, repentance towards God. So really a lot of things could come under that banner of what repentance bearing that fruit would be in our lives. The one we obviously think about though is sin and sinful habits, but also character. Character is another, chan- uh, another way to look at it. Um, the, the deeds of the flesh, all of those things would fit under there. Uh, but anyhow, Hebrews 12, I thought Sheldon shared the second verse here, so I'll share the first one. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, why is this important? And you'll notice it's not just repent from sin, but we also had grow in emotional wholeness. So, I mean, why do we have those on there? Like, like why is that so important uh, for fulfilling the great command and the great commission? Well, we've all heard the old adage, right? Hurt people hurt people. It's true. And the thing is, like, I mean, now I want to give a quick caveat. I'm not implying that we have to become perfect enough to win people to Jesus. The truth is, only the Holy Spirit can do that, <laughs> right? He, he can, but we can sure hinder that process, though, amen? When, when our love stinks and we come across and we're offending everybody, we can hinder that process of the Holy Spirit doing a work in their lives. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that we can now prevent them, but we want to partner with him in bearing fruit for the kingdom. So that's why it's so important for us to be turning from our sin. There's, there, I mean, it's dual purpose. One, our job and purpose is to reflect the glory of God on the earth, to bring him glory. That's part of the, the main purpose, the chief purpose of man, uh, but also it's part of our testimony. Right? So as we grow in emotional wholeness, we grow in self-awareness, we turn from sin, we break free from bondages, we learn about others, those kind of things, they're all valuable pursuits in the sense of when we're learning to love God and love people more. Right? We're trying to portray him accurately. You know, if you're someone that struggles with bitterness, for instance, bitterness is that poisonous root that just flows out onto absolutely everyone and everything. And yet we know the biblical command is to love our enemies. <laughs> to love our enemies, not just those who love us. And so we need that. So strategies that we have here, set free, the way grow character. This is the, the second addition uh, there. It tackles a lot of the freedom stuff, also growing in character, very good. Four wins, uh, small groups, personal prayer ministry, learn to love, all of these things that tackle either on the repentance from sin, breaking free from bondages, or growing in emotional wholeness. And we'll continue growing more strategies there, but we'll have to move on to the next one for now. Oh, okay. Now the next one that we're going to is love and disciple family, friends, neighbors, and beyond. Okay? So this is our mission field. That's what we're talking about. This is the mission field, and it's just kind of a helpful thing. Again, these are the fruits. These are the people that we're going to pursue. Often that's, uh, it seems to be a common thing that I've heard from people. I don't even know who to start with or where to start. And, and then we can start from the middle. I'll show you a graphic in just a moment. But first, the verses. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That is a big job. That's a very big job, too big for any one person, um, but simple enough that all of us can engage in it, 
right? It can look very different for different people, but it can look like discipling your kids. It can look like, you know, being a mom, inviting another mom over and you guys working on your faith together and challenging each other. That's discipleship, right? There's different seasons. When you're an empty nester, you'll have more time than when you have little kids in the home. There's, there's lots of seasons. Or if you're a single person, you'll have a different amount of time and a different level of influence. Age, you know, all, all of these different factors in life are going to bear into how this looks in your life. But this is the call to all believers. Deuteronomy 6-7, you shall teach them diligently. We keep going, this, uh, going to this one because Deuteronomy 6 and, and the Great Commission are really linked together, right? Um, Jesus is building on that with both the Great Command and the Great Commission. Um, but you shall teach them to your children, talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So basically, everywhere you go, you just, <laughs> you're sharing your faith and your love for God there. So this is our mission field. Another graphic. Are you impressed? <laughs> I didn't actually make it, but I had the idea. <laughs> Ryan did all the, all the legwork on this. Okay, so what I'm putting here, because often we look at go, and, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, um, and we look at that and we say, well, ah, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'm called to go to Africa. I don't know what we always pick there. If, uh, Henry, if, you're, if you watch this one, hi to you. But, uh, but no, some people get intimidated, though, because they think, oh, I've got to go way out. I've got to leave my life here, and I've got to go somewhere else. Well, the truth is, discipleship starts in the middle with me. Right? I become a better disciple. I work on me. I begin to grow in Christ. I begin to mature my own faith. But then I can immediately go out. You'll see family, friends, local church. That's immediately places where I can engage in the Great Commission and discipling others. Right? With people that I'm close to, people that I know very closely. And then from there, we can move out to neighbors. And remember how Jesus, I am, I am defining it as both our actual neighbors and also Jesus' definition of a neighbor there, which was basically anyone in need. Uh, I love the way he kind of took... Hey, he took a word and changed it too, didn't he? Anyways, uh, he did that with neighbors, classmates, coworkers, and then from there, community, cities, and beyond. My point with this to kind of show the graph is I think a lot of people we don't engage at all because we think it starts on the fourth circle, on the fourth ring. So then we just kind of stop because we don't even know how to get there. Like, how, how would that look? Do I quit my job? Do I do this? Where do I move? Where do I go? And the truth is, if we started from the inside, we'd actually see more fruit going out anyways. Obviously, with the caveat, God will call some, right? They'll become disciples and he will call them out and he'll send them out. But even there, when he sends them out, what do they do? They're going to plant in their local area and they're going to start growing a community. They're building community with the people around them and essentially they're going to do the same thing, right? Then with the friends, the local church that they're building there, they're going to branch out and continue to do discipleship in that same kind of outward fashion. So even there when someone's called out, you'll see they go and establish themselves. The Lord will help establish them and then they'll continue doing that same process. So what are our strategies here? Uh, right now, we have uh, quite a few strategies. This is a non-exhaustive list, and we're working on new ones. Uh, I missed part of the bracket there. Oops. Oh, well. Uh, small groups, family nights, uh, the, the family nights that they just ran that first one, that's a, that's a strategy for what? Helping you disciple your kids, right, for, of a certain age, obviously. The way leaders training, uh, serve, serving is a great way to, to be discipled. Absolutely, yes. So there's lots of things that we're doing. Uh, your devotions, that, that'll be a key part of that too. But there's strategies, and we're working on more on helping people engage because I think we've done a lot of good things. I mean, set free, empower, hearing God, discipling those that come to the church. What we really want to grow in is discipling, you know, empowering you guys to be able to disciple those outside of the church and where to start. So moving on to the next one here, and we're going to go with connect and serve within the church and community. So inward, outward focus, and some people will be called more to one than the other, and that's okay. 
right? Serving is a vital part of a Christian's walk. I mean, when we serve, we're modeling Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Serving is very, very close and dear to the, to the believer's heart uh, because we're modeling him. But we also need connection. We need, we need groups. We need community around us. We need relationships. We need each other. So it is important for the believer that we have relationships and community within the church, but we should also branch out and look for ways to connect uh, with those outside the church because not everyone will come to us on their own, Right? Um, so we want to be part of that blessed is he that goes out and shares the good news. Shares the good news with others. Um, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see, right? But then he says, don't put your light under a basket. Put it on a stand so it gives light to all in the house so that they will see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That is key. So that's a key part of that right here, why we want to connect and serve within our church, but also within, the ch- within our community and within the spheres of influence that we have uh, in our lives. Uh, Hebrews, if I go forward, just one here. Oh, I'm broken. No, it works again. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Uh, very important, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So strategies that we have small groups serving in the community, getting involved in local groups, serving within the church. Uh, All of those things are different ways that we can serve and connect with those in the community and within the church. So both both are important. By the way, I'll caveat if you're saying, this is a big list. Like, do I need to take steps in all of them? I'll just say right now, if you're feeling that, to calm the anxiety. No, this is, (laughs) these are lifelong fruits. These are things that we're all bearing in our lives. And probably many of you, if not most of you, are all are already bearing these fruits to some level and degree. Because if you've accepted Jesus in your life, he's already begun that work of, of regeneration and uh, transformation. Okay, uh, next one here we're going to look at, and that is showing hospitality and giving generously. And these are markers. If you look at the early church especially, uh, the, uh, that one here, and you'll see it there on the bottom, um, they were markers and acts that actually drew people into the church. Because they just, they shared everything in common. John Abrams quoted that, I think last week, was that the Food and Clothing Drive celebration? Yeah. He quoted that, that that's what he felt like we were seeing a bit of that Acts 4. That is, if you read all of the book of Acts, yes, miracles were a huge part of the advancement of the kingdom. Obviously, the Holy Spirit did the work. But the, the believers, the way that they were, like, showed hospitality and generosity with one, one another was a huge drawing factor that drew people into the kingdom. And if you look at when, you know, Christianity became the national religion in Rome as well, that was also through plague and the way that the believers were what? Giving of themselves, serving in the community, showing hospitality, taking in people that were sick. They weren't afraid of the sickness, which is pretty incredible. So that's, that's one that's uh, key, Acts 4.32. Um, yeah, they shared everything in common. Romans contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Uh, Hebrews. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God, right? We're told that to give even a cup of cold water. Talk about, you know, being giving and serving that, that spirit of generosity and hospitality to give even a cup of cold water to someone because they're a disciple will not be forgotten. So we know that the Lord, this is very near to his heart. When you look at Old Testament, twice we see in Isaiah and we see in Malachi where the Lord actually wanted the temple to be shut down because they were neglecting these types of things. 
It was stuff in this category of mercy and justice and taking care of widows and orphans and that sort of thing. So that all falls under this category here. So these strategies we have, obviously serving in the church and community, you'll see lots of overlap with the strategies. Absolutely, yes. It's not complicated. A lot of this stuff are things we're doing already. Um, but serving in the church, church and in the community, giving to the church, giving to those in need, bringing people into your home, you know, looking for a way to be a blessing to others. That's really the key of it. How can I, you know, you look at the time, you look at the resources, you look at the place of life that you're in, and then you ask the question, Lord, how can I use what you've given to me? Because we're just stewards. Amen? None of us own anything. We're stewards. So when you look at what you're stewarding and you say, Lord, how can I use what you've given to me to bless others? That's how you can begin to really bear that fruit. And it's a wonderful journey to be on because it is way more blessed to give than receive. And we all know that. Oh, I hope you all have all experienced that at some point in your life. All right. Uh, next one here. Grow your character and spiritual gifts. And uh, Second Peter, we already went through that one, uh, but that was talking lots about the character side of things, right? So I won't uh, do that one for the sake of time. But we'll go right to Acts 1, verses 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So our spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit growing in the, in the spiritual gifts, this is actually very important for our witness. It's actually important for us to fulfill the great command and great commission. We can't do it apart from the Spirit's work in our lives. So we partner with him, and he takes our efforts, and he's the one who multiplies and, brings the, uh, and bears the fruit. I think of... Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians, where Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So that's what we're looking for here. But uh, we'll jump forward to 1 Corinthians 14.1. I'll caveat again, of course. There are, like, there are way more scriptures than we have time to go through here that we could have used, so I'm just cherry-picking a few. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, pursue love, that's the highest, but earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And you can go there and read the whole context of 1 Corinthians. Go start in actually 12, 13, 14. And you're going to read, a, it'll talk lots about the body and how the body works and, and the gifts and the fruit of the spirit and how that all kind of functions and works together. It's brilliant. But we know that we're supposed to desire the spiritual gifts, the, the gifts that the spirit gives. We're supposed to desire it for both the unbeliever to have an impact outside of the church, but also so that the church itself can be built up. We need it for both. Strategies. The way is another one in here, uh, but empower, set free, personal ministry, serving, prophetic ministry, prayer ministry. All of these different areas are going to help, and, and the way also will help in this area too. Um, uh, if you do the way, grow character. I missed that on there. Uh, but these are all tools and places within the church that you can go to that will help you grow in those areas. And in fact, we have a set free coming this next weekend. This coming up weekend, I'll be there. So Pastor Ray is going to be preaching. I'll be doing the set free. Um, but the Empower is coming up in November. So we got, these things are coming up. Hearing God's coming up in January. Uh, that date will be released uh, soon. But there's lots of opportunities in prayer ministry. We'd love to get you involved. We have, we have lots of faithful. Some of you are faith, some of our faithful prayer ministers. That's an excellent place to go into, to grow in the spirit and grow in the spiritual gifts. But we got to move on for sake of time. Let's look at the last one here. And that is, Prepare for eternity and end times. Now, this one you might say, well, what are the uh, practical steps of this? I, there are practical outworkings of it, especially on a personal note. But this is, remember that Philippians, what we talked about with Paul, the, he kept his goal set on Jesus and the upward call of Christ. 
Uh, and so that's really what he's talking about. We're living for eternity. And living for eternity is super important for us because it, it does a couple of things. It brings urgency, uh, but it also brings perspective. Because we can easily get distracted by the things that are going on in this life. But Paul, because he learned to really to focus upward, to live for the next, for the line, right? Not the dot that Pastor Ray used to always use that analogy. Because Paul was living for the line, it enabled him to endure much hardship and to say things like, I count it all as loss. Right? It's because he had his, his focal point, his focus was on something beyond just the current circumstances that were in his life. So that's important, but also, you know, with end times, we're told to know the seasons. We're told to know the times, right? We're told to be watching for the times. We're told to be awake. Um, Colossians 3, verse 2, set your minds on the things that are above and not the things on the earth. Uh, that's important. Philippians, I went through that. Matthew 24, 30, uh, 32. <laughs> that's a weird accent that I all of a sudden had there. <clears throat> Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. So the biblical message, stay awake, watch for the signs, be ready. So this one lines up with that. It's, it's that we need to be intentional, and that's why we put it on there. We need to be intentional that we're moving towards there and that we're staying awake and we're staying ready and keeping the, the most important as the most important. So with this one here, strategies we have, obviously um, there's lots. There's weekend services, personal devotions, small groups, and coming up there is the way. Pastor Ray is working on one with end time, so I'm very excited for that one. And when he hears this, <clears throat> sooner than later, Dad, sooner than later. <laughs> I know they're on their way back and they'll be watching this later, so I'm sure I'll hear feedback on that. <clears throat> I sent him another one, an email uh, earlier this week on another idea that I had, and I'm like, yeah, so when are you going to create the way for this? <laughs> I like putting work on his plate. <laughs> I can do it because I'm his son. I get away with it. All right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we did the strategies. So this is it. The, the, the question from here, and we're going to have to close it down here, and I, there are questions that I wanted to go through uh, with all of you, but for, for sake of time, we're not going to totally get there, but I'm going to show them to you, and I'm going to ask that you go and, and do them this week. Like, do them this week. Do them right after the service if you can, if you have time. Uh, but the, the, the question after looking at that discipleship target, because we're talking be discipled. Well, where do I start in making disciples? And that's where I put it on there. I changed the side a little bit there. And, and the, the first important thing is don't overcomplicate it. Like, when you look at the outer ring, we're talking about the fruits in your life that you begin to bear as you mature in Christ. We're also talking about the fruits that you bear in your life that make you a better witness of who Jesus is like. Right? Because we're trying to guard the testimony of Jesus in our lives. We're trying to show the world what he's like. So that outer circle is critical for that. But when you're bringing someone to Jesus, you don't start by going to the outer circle and start hammering them on their character growth that they need to have and why they need to do this or need to do that. We, we're not doing that. We bring it all back to the center. Right? We bring people to Jesus. And the two best ways that I have found <laughs> that work is, number one, we work on our own witness. And not just the words that we have, but the testimony of our life. And that's the challenge for us, right? As we're, as we're bringing people to the center, is the way that I'm living accurately showing people what Jesus is like? Do they see his come just as you are love? Do they see his mercy? Do they see his grace? Do they see truth? Do they see us turning the other cheek? All of these things are important for us. And lastly, I mean, a simple way to bring them there too is you can just share what Jesus is already doing in your life. 
You know, you're going through your devotions in the morning, a great step to ask. You know, we often read, and then we ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's obedience. Ask one other question. Who is someone that I can share what I learned today with? That's as simple as it is. We start there, and we begin to share with family or friends in a cell group or with someone that you meet that needs encouragement. You just share, this is what God is showing me earlier today, or this is what he did in my life or is doing in my life. This is what I'm working on. You don't have to be perfect. I'm glad because I'm not. And then we repeat that process. And these are the questions. I did put them online. This is the first one on being discipled. What is an area on that target that you need to grow in? Maybe the Lord's asking you to sign up for, you'll see the set free or empower or hearing God join a cell. Maybe you're not in community right now and that's a step you need to take. Point is, listen to the Spirit. See what he's saying to you where he's encouraging you to grow and he'll show you. And then lastly, we're going to do this one here. Make disciples. And two ways, right? Be a good witness, good works, and share what he's doing in your life. And look for someone this week. Who is someone in your sphere that you can share Jesus with? Either going and doing something for them, doing something with them, sharing what Jesus is doing in your life, sharing something that he's showing in the word. Just keep it simple. If you're thinking, oh, unbelievers, I'm not good at evangelism. Discipleship is for everyone. It's not just for conversion. It's for the believer, it's for your family, it's for your friends, it's for you, it's for the person that knows Jesus and for the person that does not. We're all, <laughs> we're all growing in that. Lord, we ask that by your Spirit, by your Spirit, that we would be able to bear fruit as a church and as individuals in the great command and in the great commission. And Lord, to us, it's not about doing a bunch of good works so that you accept us, Oh, Lord, we're here because we're already accepted. Lord, we want to bear fruit in the Great Command and the Great Commission. We want to bear fruit there. Why? Because, because we love you, and it would just bring us so much joy to be able to give back, to be a part of something that you're passionate about. And Lord, we know that you came to save the lost. We know that you came to redeem us. We know that you are relational at heart and that you are inviting us into an eternity spent with you. And Lord, we want to be a part of bringing that news to others and helping them grow towards you and experience you. So by your spirit, would you take our feeble yeses and bear fruit in our lives and in this church, in Jesus' name.